0: hey pod fam do you know what day it is because i do it's wednesday which means that i am late posting this episode. I mean, occasionally I post, I mean, I record an episode on a Wednesday, but usually it's the one prior to the Monday that I'm planning to to release it. So today recording on the Wednesday after that I planned, oh my God, I can't even talk. The Wednesday after I planned to release this episode, it just, you know, every once in a while life gets away from me and I'm doing the best that I can to pre-record episodes so that I'm not recording them like right before I have to release them. But sometimes it doesn't work. Anyway, it is what it is. Occasionally, we're going to have a late episode. I guess we're just going to own this now. Anyway, so I wasn't even totally sure what I was going to talk about today, but something has come up now, and I'm like, maybe I'll talk about this. It's, it's so funny to me because I was trying to do this podcast as a way to like avoid the Instagram rants, but I still do one every now and then. And well, not every now and then. So. <laughs> anyway, and they often give me inspiration for recording the podcast. So basically, Today, okay, so today was the first day, finally, that Bobby was actually in daycare. I can't remember if I was, I think I've been talking about the fact that Bobby's going back to daycare, but I actually had thought that he was going to go back like three weeks ago, but it turned out that he wasn't going back then, so I've been waiting, and then he was supposed to start at daycare yesterday, and then we had a snow day, and so we all stayed home, which was fine, but it was like, oh my goodness, the universe is really working against me right now. (laughs) So finally today he went to daycare and I expected, fully expected it to be a rough transition into daycare. So it did not disappoint and he was definitely having a hard time with it. So that's all fine. Um, So it's interesting because COVID affects everything now. And so it's funny to me because, you know, when he, before, when he went to daycare, they have this hallway you go into and there's like all the shoe shelves and stuff. And so, especially in the winter, you know, we would get all of his gear off. I'd put his shoes away. I'd get his snow pants off and I'd get him basically dressed and ready for going into his classroom. And then I'd take him into his classroom. And especially at first he would have like a bit of a transitional uh, moment. And so I was able to sit with him for a minute and let him sort of feel his feelings and get some of it out of his system. And I'd give him a couple more hugs then I would go. And because the thing is, you know, as a parent, I understand that like the longer I linger around there, the more he is likely to continue to be upset. It's harder for your child to move past their feelings of missing you if you never leave. (laughs) So, so you have to just like, you know, rip that bandaid off and go. So I would. Now, now with all of the COVID stuff going on, um, basically I take him into that hallway and there's no, like they don't leave any stuff out there now. So there's just like one staffer out there fully dressed in PPE and she comes and she takes his temperature. And then basically, you know, I did take a couple minutes to like help him to sort of try to process some stuff because he was literally like running away and the teacher tried to say something to him and he screamed like just like looked her dead in the eye and just screamed in her face and so I tried for a minute to just be like I see that you're upset I know this is really hard for you I understand this it's it's hard I'm here but also you gotta go and so she took him from me just picked him up and again he was just screaming um and took him into the classroom. So like, I didn't help him take off any of his stuff. It was just, and so as it carries forward, as I keep bringing him to daycare, that's going to be the process because, okay. So, so basically it's going to be like, we walk in temperature. Okay. He's good to go, take him into the classroom and that's it. Um, Because the other part of it is that only one family can be in the building. At one time, because it's, it's a small hallway. Um, so, so they just say if you're not being processed, your child's not being processed to go in for the day, you have to wait outside. And right now it's like minus 20 or something or maybe minus 15. So you want to try to be expedient as much as you can so that like they can keep getting the next family in. Um, so there, yeah, so it's definitely like a way more sort of efficient process. And I was saying to somebody on Instagram that I find this interesting because I actually feel like it'll help a lot of times with kids processing and, and moving on with their day when the parents are sort of forced to let them go. Because a lot of parents struggle so much with this, with this concept of like, you don't have to take on what your children feel in order to support them through their feelings and so parents i mean i understand that it's like it's like obviously it seems to me like a positive evolutionary trait that parents feel a certain level of attachment to their child's emotions, because that means that they're inclined to protect them. And that would have served us well in the past to feel like we can we can protect our kids and to feel that drive to protect them. But now we live in a world where like it's really not necessary to feel that way. It doesn't really serve anybody to do that but many parents obviously still do this. And so I think it's actually more common for parents to struggle with it. Some parents are better at being able to like sever it and then feel their emotions out somewhere else. But for me, I'm like, yeah, this sucks for you. I totally understand. But in my head, I know this is the right thing for you. I'm, I'm not like wavering in my confidence at all that The decision that I've made is a good one and that it's going to work out well for you and for me. So I'm like, maybe that's why some parents really struggle with it because they feel a certain level of guilt that like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Is this the best thing for my kid? And like, I feel bad leaving them behind and are they looked after? And like, I don't don't really have that sense of, of... Concern about things. I'm like I vetted my daycare. I live in a really wealthy, well-to-do community and and neighborhood, so like I'm not concerned about his safety or well-being um, to an extent. Obviously, like shit happens. Sometimes things do happen, but the likelihood of anything happening to him is so low. Um, Anyway, so I'm I kind of like it's a curiosity for me that that a parents struggle so much with this, um, and b that. I don't. <laughs> um, so what I was saying, I did this whole again, I, I kinda did an in Instagram rant today again because you know, I was trying to explain. Somebody messaged me and said, Oh, I'm so happy to see that you seem okay with everything that's gone on with Bobby. Because I'd said, Oh yeah, he had a bit of a screamy moment and blah blah blah. And so I said, Yeah, you know, I don't have like a mechanism that tells me that when my kids are in emotional distress that I too should feel emotional distress. I just simply don't have it. It doesn't, that that part of my maternal gene didn't, it doesn't function right, I guess. Because it's the same thing I I experienced this even when we were doing sleep training. We tried to sleep train Emmeline when she was like a real baby, like probably three months old. And we only stopped because Nick couldn't handle it. And like, I wasn't necessarily the type to, completely like quote unquote abandoned my children while they, while they cried in their crib and stuff during sleep training. But I definitely was okay with like being nearby and letting them know that I was nearby, but I wasn't going to pick them up and make, and like, you know, um, rock them to sleep or whatever. So I was fine with it, but Nick could not handle the sound of her crying. And for some reason that was the first time that I realized that like, it didn't bother me. It really didn't. I figured out reasonably quickly when she was a baby and when Bobby was a baby, the different cries that they had. And so you would know kind of if they're hungry or if they're, uh, need to be burped or if they're tired or whatever, like they have all these different cries. And to be fair, my kids were never colicky and never had any real like issues and stuff. So, so it was, Reasonably easy for me to make those kind of cry determinations and figure it out and get on top of it pretty quickly. I understand that there are babies out there who will just cry incessantly regardless of what you do, and I feel for those parents. That must be super super hard, um, and I don't. So I don't know if it would be harder to to figure those things out because the only reason I did is because they would cry, and at first you kind of wonder, well, what do they need? What do they need? But eventually you realize what the cry signals. So if they're hungry, you feed them and then the crying stops and you're like, okay, (laughs) problem solved, right? Whereas if you have a colicky baby that like is going to cry anyway, then, you know, you would have a lot less confidence in your ability to actually sort out what's going on. So I get that. But the point being that I never, I've never felt, the only time I've ever actually had a, a real emotional reaction to my kids is if they have been injured even when they're sick I'm like they seem pathetic and I'm like oh poor baby but I just kind of want to give them extra cuddles whereas when my kids have gotten injured then I've definitely felt like a very strong reaction and that's probably a good thing like if I didn't react at all To that kind of stuff, then I might be kind of concerned because that is one of those situations where you want to be able to act quickly. You want to be driven by your fight or flight emotions to take action and deal with what's happened, right? Because if your kid's bleeding out, not that my kids have ever gotten to that stage, but like if that were the situation, you'd want to. You the expectation is that you're going to react quickly, so it would sort of punch you in the gut and and cause you to act. Whereas with stuff like, in particular, with things where. I made a decision and I think, okay, I've decided that we're going to sleep train and you're going to have feelings about that. And I'm going to validate them and support you in them, but I am not going to feel those things with you. I'm not going to adopt those things. My brain again, doesn't have this mechanism that's like, uh, oh, your child is in distress and therefore you must also be distressed. It doesn't do that. So there is this, this, the ability on, on my part to just like separate myself from those feelings. And, uh, so in part of my, my rant on Instagram, I said, you know, like what happens outwardly when my kids, uh, experience these, these moments of distress is that I say to them, wow, you're really upset right now. This is hard for you. I see that. And I support you and you can take as much time as you need to process your feelings on the inside in my own mind, I think things like, you're going to be fine. You're going to love this or you're going to benefit from this. Um, you know, all those things where like my pragmatism can kind of live on the surface. And so I'm not ever bogged down in those feelings of like uncertainty or, or again, just feeling that sort of distress because there's, there's a, a distressing call from my kid. Um, and so it's like the, the pragmatism can override the empathy almost, which I think it's that sounds weird, but I think that that's basically how I would describe it. Um, or I said in my in my Instagram thing, I said that the, the pragmatism was in, quote unquote, the driver's seat. Um, that was what was maintaining the control of everything. And so <clears throat> I also said, so this kind of, sorry, this all kind of goes back to my episode that I recorded at one point or released at one point where I was talking about like, um, the, the Rye parenting method and like Janet Lansbury's method and stuff with parenting, because it's, it's rooted in that this is a lot of this stuff is rooted in that, but this is also sort of rooted in what my understanding of like fostering emotional intelligence looks like, because, so I say things like you're upset and I say it like it's a statement and not injecting my own emotions. And I say things like, I support you and you're welcome to feel your feelings and express them however you need to, so long as you're not hurting anybody. Um, and so, and then again, in my head, I'm thinking you're gonna be fine. Da, da, da. I don't say things like you're going to be fine, or you're going to love this, or this is a benefit to you. I don't say those things to my kids in the moment because that's not what matters to them. And I think I've recorded, no, I know I recorded this in an episode here recently too about uh, validating someone's feelings in the moment. And so this is the exact same thing. It's exactly the same. You want to validate their feelings in the moment because that is what matters to them. It doesn't matter to them that in an hour from now they're going to feel okay and they're going to actually enjoy themselves that doesn't matter and and honestly at least from my perspective when people try to say those things to me it sometimes makes me want to realize those things less it puts me in a place where like i want to prove those people wrong and i don't know that everybody experiences this feeling of like resisting the good stuff because someone has told you that the good stuff is coming but i but i feel that and i'm sure other people do as well so I treat my children the same way that I would want someone to treat me in that sense of like validating how they feel and not saying things like you're gonna be fine or whatever. Because it, it just makes you feel like how you feel now does it isn't isn't an issue, or that you shouldn't feel the way that you feel right now. So so again, you know, I've talked about how um, how I parent my kids in general with the Rye method. I've talked about how my experiences with being having my my feelings and emotions minimized makes me feel. And so this is sort of an amalgamation of those two things and saying <clears throat> that that I don't I don't I, I try to validate my kids as much as possible and I try to not minimize their feelings as much as possible. There, I, I could never purport to being perfect at these things or having, having a real solid method down, but that is my approach. That's how I try to do things. And I do think it is aided by the fact that I tend to be highly pragmatic and I'm able to <clears throat> allow that pragmatism to guide me in how I respond and how I address things as they come up. So, yeah, so today when Bobby was crying, or he wasn't crying, there was, there was zero crying. It was literal just screaming, (laughs) which, like, honestly, I find it so funny because he just, it wasn't, like, it was, it was actually the kind of scream that someone does just because they think, if I do this this person won't talk to me or it'll stop whatever's happening. And like, it's obviously not going to be the case. So it didn't work for him, but cause he wasn't necessarily like afraid. He was just like, I don't want to do this. So I'm going to try this thing out where I scream really loud and try to agitate someone that way. And maybe it'll make it stop. Um, so anyway, he was doing that and and he kept saying, I want to go home. Can we go home? Can we leave now? And I'm like, no, buddy, we can't. You got to stay here for the day. You got to spend the day here. And I promise you'll come back and come get you and all this stuff. And, and yeah, like I didn't, there was one moment where I kind of felt like, oh, my poor, my poor little guy, but it was like a glancing moment. And and it was nothing. And then it was gone. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what's happening. This is best for him. It's best for me. We all need it. Um, you know, there are these, these, these and reasons why I need to do this and why he needs this and stuff. So like, it's, it's, again, it's easy for me to just detach myself from those other distressing emotions and, and taking on how he feels. Um, and, uh, yeah. So it was, it was all good. It was good. Uh, and I came home, actually, I bought myself a cupcake to celebrate because today, so now, right now is the first time in 11 months that I don't have anybody else in my home. (laughs) It feels surreal. And like there, the expectation is that five days a week now for approximately six hours a day, only I will be home. (laughs) And that is wild. That is really, really wild to me. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say just online or on the same, sorry, my chair is quickie. Um, on the same sort of, what am I trying to say? In the same vein as the daycare thing, um, the fact that, I had to send him to daycare right now is kind of an interesting thing for me because I actually wouldn't have sent him if I thought that there was another way to do it because I, I don't like, I I like having him around during the day. He, when he's by himself, he's awesome. He plays and we talk and we eat together and like, he actually is kind of close to having company around when he's by himself. When Emmalin is around, it's a whole other thing. But but when it's just him and I, it's it can be really nice. And the things that I'm doing right now, uh, I don't necessarily need it to be always silent or like not. Like it's I find it easy to do things with him around. So, had I felt like I had another option, I probably wouldn't have sent him right now, because I don't need. Like I said, I don't need daycare right now. But this is the problem with with childcare. In our country, um, is is that you kind of have to take a place if it comes available, if you feel like you're going to need it in the foreseeable future. So I'm going to need it by probably May, the beginning of May, which is like pff, two and a half months from now. But the likelihood that I give up this place now in like end of February, early just Jan- sorry, end of January, early February, and then have a place available, another spot available, come the time that I need it, the likelihood is like so, so low. So it's a huge gamble to say, okay, well, I'm not going to take it now, but I will take one at the end of April. So Nick and I hemmed and hawed a little bit about it, but we decided ultimately that it was best to just take it now and we'll make it work financially until I actually do go back to my, my regular job. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one for me because I like I said I wouldn't have necessarily sent him. I mean I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to have the place and the finances to, to pay for it and, um, to now have some some time. To you know, do things that I want to do totally on my own, um, and of course, the, the other upside is that when I do go back to work, then he's had a solid couple months to retransition back to daycare. Because I'm honestly, I'm curious to see how long it'll take, but I'm not expecting it to be a really fast transition back, um, just because it's been so long since he's been in a childcare situation and socializing, and. Um, you know so he might he might just take a little bit longer and he's older now too so he can like understand things a bit better and I don't know so we'll see like I I was saying before though you know the way that they that they take them into the classroom now does sort of cut it it severs that tie pretty quickly and efficiently so like it may be possible that he gets over it faster but it doesn't matter I'm gonna anticipate that it's gonna take a few weeks and that's fine um But anyway, so the point I was making there was that by the time I do go back to work, he should have had ample time that because my schedule is going to change. And so he's going to have to be in daycare for longer hours so that he'll have had ample time to adjust to being in daycare. And so getting him in there for closer to like an eight and a half, nine hour day um, will be an easier transition for him, perhaps not even transitional at all. It'll just be a slightly longer day. Um, And so he may be more tired. Maybe he'll go to bed early. (laughs) Who knows probably not um yeah so the point being more generally here that that we have a bit of a, a weird system um and I don't I don't you know I, I harp on this this idea that like being a mom and having a career and stuff is is difficult but it, it really is like it's so challenging And in a lot of ways, I feel like we've, a lot of us have been lied to about our ability to be moms and be successful in our careers at the same time. Um, because for so many people, it's just not possible. Um, and yeah, this is part of that problem because like we were fortunate to have a place come up when we, like before we needed it, which is fine, but not everybody gets that. And then, when I do go back to work, and even though I'm gonna to have to extend my kids' daycare hours, both of them are gonna to have to be in daycare and school longer. I'm still not gonna be able to be working my full days of work because it still won't be enough hours <laughs> to be able to drop them off, get to work, do my shift, and then leave again and make it back in time. Um, primarily, it's just that the traffic on the way home is likely to be prohibitive for me to be actual to actually be able to stay for my entire day. So. Anyway, this is going to come up a lot for me, I think, this this whole thing about like trying to work and make the career thing work while having the little kids and stuff. And I am so I've started reaching out to some other moms who are working mothers who have had some adverse experiences with this kind of stuff too. Uh, So I'm hoping to have an episode coming out sometime soon where we talk about this stuff and I can gain some other people's perspectives and other people's experiences and we can share those things so that we can start having more of a dialogue about uh, what we're doing, how we can sort of not, so like we, we have to do, I think a couple of different things. We have to like change how we do business. I think that's part of it. Um, but we also have to change what the expectations are and like what uh, what we're what we're expected and what we're anticipating to be able to do as working parents because it could be working fathers or if you're non-binary or whatever as well. Then then like there's that too. But but generally speaking, being able to have children and have a fulfilling, full-time, rewarding career and that sort of thing, um, we need to like reevaluate those things. And I think. on balance that both, both of those things need to, to, to be part of the conversation because, because men are also like losing time with their families and stuff too, because they're expected to do those really long, long days and big jobs and stuff where like it's highly demanding on them. So they would benefit too, from like a bit of a restructuring of how we, um, imagine business. Anyway, this is a kind of (laughs) an all over the place episode. This is part (laughs) of Part of why I was like, I don't even know if I should record or put something out this week because I didn't have a lot of direction, but I've said a lot of things here. And it's actually not even that long of an episode, but I'm gonna put it out anyway. Um and uh yeah, you let me know if you have thoughts, if you if this resonated with you at all, if you have feelings about this stuff. Do you as a parent struggle? with your kids and, and a letting go and, and having them feel their emotions without getting involved in it? Do you, do you practice ride? Do you think that this is something that you'd want to try? Like, what are your thoughts? And what do you think about business and family life and business? You know, like, is this something that we can, we can continue to maintain? Do you have feelings about that? Whatever you feel, you let me know. And, um, yeah, thank you for joining me again. Sorry for the late release of the episode i'm going to try and record another episode this week while i have some time so um yeah hopefully next week i'll be back with with a fresh one right on monday okay if you want to reach me you can do so at archykate at gmail.com that's a-r-c-h-y-k-i-t at gmail.com you can find me on Instagram at lookatthismesspod on Instagram. You can also find me online on the webpage called lookatthismesspod.wordpress.com. And uh, you can share your thoughts. If you liked this episode or you liked any of my other episodes, please feel free to give me a rating, a good one if you want to. (laughs) Um, And a review would be fantastic. And uh, yeah, I will see you in the next one.